Do you live in Salem, Oregon or Gold Beach, Oregon? Why? Also Gabriel will be performing in Salem June 2nd and Gold Beach June 3rd and 4. Gig Harbor June 9th. Puyallup Up June 10th. Gabriel has a private show June 11th. You can't go. Which is too bad because he's performing for high school seniors and you might see him have a breakdown. Maybe he'll open with How Do You Do Fellow Kids. He'll be in Portland, Aberdeen, Moses Lake, and Tiger the week after. For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like to support this podcast by subscribing for $5 a month, click the Substack link in the episode notes. You won't get any extra episodes, but Gabriel will think warm thoughts about you. And now it's time for the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host, Gabriel. I don't understand why uh, I drop I drop my car off at uh, extra car parking. No, they're not paying me for this advertisement. But when I fly out of SeaTac Airport, I drop my car off at extra car, and then. Uh, you know, it's like valet, sort of. The, I mean, I have to take the shuttle, but when I get back, my car is waiting for me. Which is nice. But I don't understand. All they have to do is drive it to a different parking lot and back. In my absence. And, like, you know, the seats adjusted way back. And even the... the, the I'm, like, sitting on the floor much more than I was used to. The mirrors are all different. The radio's on a different channel. Like, what? What sense of ownership do you get from my car driving it 30 seconds from parking lot to parking lot? Or maybe you're taking it home. Although, if you were going to take a car home, why would you take a 2015 Kia Rio? You'd, you know, take a Mercedes or something. But, I don't know. It's just weird to me. I'm going to drive this car 190 feet. I better make sure all the mirrors and seat are adjusted to my liking. Well, it doesn't work for me, tiny Asian man. Anyway. Flying back from Reno, Nevada today. Uh, It's a sleepy one. My, my brain is not firing on all cylinders, much like my car wasn't uh, a couple weeks ago. A couple hours sleep, then an early morning flight out of Reno. I can feel the oxygen and moisture re-entering my body after four days in Reno, Nevada. Holy shit. The high desert, man. And not just because weed's legal. <laughs> Bud, right? I think the elevation is about 4,500 feet, and it's just dry as hell. Even more more dry than Vegas, even. And uh, that's why everyone who lives in Reno, who's over 40 years old, looks like a baked potato in sweatpants. Even the voice of like a Reno resident is dry. It's just like, how long you lived here? All my life. How long is that? 32 years! Seems fun. I feel like the official sound of Reno... Do cities have official sounds? The official sound of Reno, Nevada... Should be a smoker's cough. That's how you should say the word Reno, with a smoker's cough. I guess in the same way like Vegas, if Vegas had a sound, it would be like, Boo! So that's how you should say Vegas, like, Vegas! Reno should be, Reno! Where are you from? Reno, Nevada! <coughs> how old are you? Twelve! <coughs> I was at the Laugh Factory in Reno, Nevada. Uh, fun week! I mean, can you tell by the way I said, fun week? No, it was good. Why is my voice getting higher? It was a fun week. 
mostly because I got food vouchers. But, you know, sometimes uh, as a comedian, you spend a week, I guess four days, we always call it a week, uh, at a comedy club, and you leave and you're like, oh, I have uh, some new joke ideas, or, or I added some tags to my jokes. Um, that's a little bit of an inside baseball term for comedy, but uh, tags are like, you know, there's the setup of the joke, there's the punchline, and then the lines you say after the punchline that also get a laugh, hopefully, are tags. I don't know why, but that was written in the Comedian's Constitution in 1979 over a line of cocaine. Tags. Sometimes you, you leave a week and you're just like, wow, I, you know, you feel like you leveled up a little bit. And then sometimes you leave and you're like, I might be worse than when I got there. Uh, I did have some, I had, I did have some good shows. None of them were bad. No shows of bombing, but just, uh, a top, they're old, there's some old ass people. How old? Very old. One couple in the crowd, I asked how long they've been together. I wish we were high school sweethearts. Are there any high school sweethearts here? Yeah? Oh, that's cheese. It's adorable already! What, uh, can I ask how long ago that was? 68 years ago. 68 years ago. Come on. Even this room of bitter, drunk people. Looks like, whoa. fucking years? I'm trying to do dumb sex jokes. No one needs your adorable World War II veteran love story to get in their head when I'm trying to do stupid jokes about dry humping. 68 years! Holy shit! Good for them, though. Also, there's a moth problem in Reno. I mean, I don't know if it's a problem. It's uh, more of a moth opportunity. So you look at it. Uh, there's just moths everywhere, including indoors. And so when I'm looking out at this crowd of blue hairs that I was doing comedy for on a couple of nights, and then you see in the stage lights moths fluttering around, you're like, that's about right. Feed on the old sweater of my career, Moth. But I did have some fun shows. Actually, they were all kind of fun. But uh, it definitely wasn't like... I had some shows where I'm like, okay, I survived that. It wasn't like... I survived and didn't thrive. You know what I mean? Uh, I also saw a guy who looked exactly like me from the future. He had a gray ponytail. Had glasses, which I do. I wear glasses almost all the time, except on stage now. Somewhat similar build. <laughs> Boy, I feel like I'm looking like at me from the future right here. <laughs> <laughs> when did we meet her? That's the kind of 
don't give a fuck attitude I need in my life. How old am I? I don't know. Who cares? I also, uh, I don't, I, re- I try really hard to not get mad on stage at the audience or a particular audience member because it usually, it does not go well for me because I'm a pretty happy, friendly guy on stage, uh, usually off to, but, so if I genuinely get mad, the crowd usually is kind of taken aback by the sudden shift in the room. Uh, but I was, uh, there was a guy, I walked out on stage, I don't know if you're familiar with my opening joke I've had for a few years now, uh, I did, I kind of just start off by going like, hey, this is what I look like, and then I have jokes that follow it up, and I, I said, this is what I look like, and, and the guy in the crowd just goes, bummer, which, okay, whatever, I've heard worse, but it already made me not like the guy. Like, I just got here, dick, you know? So then later in the show, when I said uh, I'd been with my wife since we were both 19 years old, and he followed it up with another bummer, guess what? Old chubby friendly Jesus got legitimately kind of pissed off. My wife and I have been together since we were 19 years was laughing. That's what saved it from being too awkward, but, uh, that's, people laughed, but I was genuinely annoyed. I don't know, you know, I guess it's just, like, a relationship where sometimes the thing your partner says, you take it well, and sometimes you don't. Apparently, Reno and not put me in the mood uh, to have some negative banter with an audience member. Sir, I can barely see you because of the moths. They had on each side of the uh, stage at the Laugh Factory, they had uh, a TV screen up up high on the wall uh, on each side of the stage that had my poster that's you know it was like a picture of me and saying I was gonna be there on the days I was there and I would literally see people in the crowd while I was performing looking at the TV just a still photo of my headshot and I'm like I'm it's me I'm a, I'm live I'm a real person you don't have to watch the TV how bored are you with my act that you're like looking at the TV screen going like, hmm, I thought the guy in the picture would be funnier. Also, the sound guy fell asleep during one of my shows. Holy shit. Now that I put it all together, maybe Reno wasn't as poor as I thought. No, I, I actually did have a good time. One of the reasons I got to hang out with uh, a new comedian that I'd never met before. He's not new. He was new to me. Uh, Josh Floorhog is his name. We had a good time. Uh, he is uh, Louis Anderson's nephew. Louis Anderson is his great uncle. And he lived with Louis during the pandemic. Uh, man, the great fucking stories that he told me that I cannot tell you about Louis Anderson. Oh, man. And it's also crazy. At a certain level of fame and celebrity, it's like people know each other who you wouldn't think know each other because he's just telling me these stories about the people he knows now because of his uncle. And it's like, it's people like, oh, I hang out with Eddie Money's family, the singer Eddie Money, or like... James Hetfield knows me. 
just like a million little things like that where you're like, what? Why? How? One story uh, he told me that I... I'm not going to remember the details, but... I, Louis publicly said it, so it's not like a, it's not a scoop or anything. But I'm not going to get the math right, but Louis had a bit of a gambling problem. Uh... One time, he got like a $150,000, what do they call it, loan, retainer, from the casino. The casino gave him $150,000 to gamble with. He lost all of it. Was very upset about it, obviously. The next day, he shot a commercial for 7-Eleven. This is like the 80s, I think. And he got paid $250,000 to do that 7-Eleven commercial. And so he took that money back to the casino the next day. Gambled it again. And I think ended up winning like $300,000 or something. I'm not, the totals I'm not familiar with. But it was like hundreds of thousands of dollars. He, he ended up winning, like I said, three or $500,000. It an insane story to me for many reasons. I am so far from having a gambling problem. I mean, I turned $20 into $40 playing blackjack. Uh, go ahead and uh, for $20, uh, I will sell you my blackjack system. It's called slow playing long enough that the waitress can come back with another Jameson on the rocks. But I won, so I turned 20 into 40, and the next night I turned 40 into zero. So a net loss of $20 on my gambling for the whole week. And I was at the airport this morning buying a coffee, like, well, could have used that 40 fucking dollars I had, but I lost it gambling, like it hurts me to lose money. So I would never gamble enough to lose $150,000. And if I did, I would never have the thought, God damn it, I'm going to win it back. But he did. I mean, obviously, I think there are times in his life he did have some pretty bad gambling losses. But, uh, wow. Blackjack, too. I think that's how... What Louis Anderson was gambling on. I mean, you must be doing. What size of bets are you doing for blackjack to win three hundred thousand dollars? Anyway, uh, that was fun. And then I started to feel guilty because I'm like, I'm just soaking up all these Louis Anderson great show business stories. And I'm like, I, you know, I'm sorry, Josh. I should I should tell you about my great uncle. He was the guidance counselor at my middle school. <laughs> and he does not know Eddie Money or James Hetfield, and to my knowledge, does not have a gambling problem. Actually, I think he passed. I should know that. I'm a bad family member. It actually was kind of weird. Uh, my great uncle Tom Myers. Uh, we didn't really know him until we moved to Olympia, but people at the school would ask me if I was related to him because uh, obviously we had a similarity. And even though I was in sixth grade, uh, I had what some would call a raw, oozing sexuality. And a bowl cut and giant glasses. Now that I think about it, the fact that people thought I looked like my uncle is really not a compliment to my uncle. You don't know when your dorky phase is. When you look back at kid pictures. I never, look, I never thought like, oh, I'm fucking killing it. I'm a popular kid. I really feel good about my body. <laughs> there was never those times. 
But at the same time, I never was like... I never looked in the mirror in fourth to seventh grade and was like, holy shit. I am awkward as fuck. I have three sets of teeth in my mouth. I'm four foot six and two foot of it is head. I have a bowl cut. I have too much man boob for a boy. I never thought that. I never thought I'm going through my awkward phase. I still am, perhaps. Maybe 50 will be my awkward face. I don't know. What are the 50 year old dudes up to? Aren't there any here? Right there. Are you 50? You're old. Hey, 51. Why did you have immediately this old son of a bitch right here? <laughs> 51? 51. It is a new 30. What are you yeah. talking about? No. So they say. <laughs> 50 is not a good thing. 50 is fucking 50. <laughs> That's shit, old people. <laughs> 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 no, you know why you know it's bullshit? You never hear a kid go like, eight is the new sex. <laughs> Maybe 50's the time to bring my bowl cut back. I'll ask my mom if she can dust off the old scissors. About that airport coffee, by the way, can we... things that changed during the pandemic are like not going away uh and some of them are okay like for example i get we get groceries delivered now all the time we hardly ever go to the store and it's great i'm keeping that it's very convenient i actually think it probably saves us a little bit of money even though we have to tip and all that because we're probably not walking through the aisle just going like oh i should grab this too you know there's no impulse buys on Instacart. I have this idea for a joke that has no funny punchlines yet. But, you know, since I've been with my wife uh, since I was 19, bummer. Uh, I've never online dated. I never what we used to call computer dated. Uh, and certainly no apps. Uh, I met my wife in the woods. I was just looking for the porn I'd stash. But, so the closest thing, I, I, I realized the closest thing I have to identifying with online dating, or the closest thing I have to identify with like Tinder or Bumble or any of the apps, I think it's Instacart. Because I'm swiping on things. I'm like, oh, that looks good. And then they'll suggest things. Do you want this? No. No, I don't. I could do better than that. And then after I've selected, Instacart sends me a text message that says, We're out of ice cream. Would you like yogurt instead? And I'm like, well, this turned into bullshit. All premise, no punchlines. That's going to be the new me. Anyway, one of the one of the post-pandemic things I think we should get rid of is the stupid menu where you have to take a picture of the little QR code to look at the menu because there is no menu. And the, the place I was at at the airport today, they, they do the thing where they take it a step farther. Not only QR code menu, you have to pay on your phone before they bring you the food. I mean, how much labor is that saving your restaurant? They still have to bring it. They still have to come over. They. So I'm trying to order this food. I'm entering in a credit card number. I'm verifying this. I'm On the menu, it said you can get fruit or hash browns. I'm like, I want fruit, watching the carbs. But then I couldn't figure out how to do it, so I just had to order the hash browns. And then I paid. I thought I was paid. And then she was like, oh, did, were you able to add the coffee 
I gave you to the bill. So I had to go back on the app, pay for my coffee. This is not how humans are supposed to live. We're trying to live in a society here. I mean, I, we don't need self-checkout restaurants. Oh, just uh, use the QR code and then uh, go back to the kitchen, put on a chef's coat and make it yourself. What the fuck are we doing? And I was about to say, what are old people, what are old people supposed to do? They probably can't handle this QR code technology. And then I realized I am the old person who can't handle the QR code technology. But what if I've been married 68 years? I'm supposed to bring out my smartphone? I'm supposed to get out my jitterbug phone? Do a QR code? Enter my... You think senior citizens have Apple Pay? Get the fuck out of here! Poor old people are just wandering the streets going, How do I eat? Also, my picture was in the airport. That was kind of fun. There was an ad for the uh, Laugh Factory in the airport. I've never seen my headshot in the airport before, so that was kind of exciting. Did I accidentally run into a garbage can while I was slow walking trying to take a picture of my headshot in the airport? My digital headshot? Yeah, I did. Real smooth, Rutledge. First, I don't want people to see me being a dork taking a picture of myself. And then I run into a garbage can. This is why I can't figure out how to get fruit instead of hash browns. Anyway, Reno was fun. I have some, I had new merch. First, the first time I have a new shirt I'm selling. I don't know if I'm going to sell it everywhere. Because or... I have kind of... I have a Northwest specific shirt. By the way, if you want to buy my shirts or a signed book, I just added a store. Is it on my website yet? Probably not by the time this comes up. But I'll, I'll put it in the episode link. I got a little store if you want a signed book or a Northwest AF t-shirt or my new t-shirt that says party like a coin star which uh, is a reference to a joke I have about coin star it does mean I cannot sell that t-shirt in Canada why? because I learned when I was in Victoria although Canada is aware of coin star they're not that aware of it I got recognized recently uh, as a comedian which is usually fun but I was at a location I did not want to be recognized uh, I was actually using a, a Coinstar machine at the time. Are you guys familiar? Oh, no. oh shit, I got other jokes. <laughs> <laughs> this, this show just turned into Wikipedia. Tell, what is that? <laughs> that one didn't make the boat right. It's a machine in the store. You put change in, and then you get a voucher. Oh, we would have <laughs> Anyway, they sold pretty good in Reno. That's always a funny thing when you American comedians go to Canada or the other way around, where it's like, you don't think about everything that can translate or not translate. Canadians have a much harder time coming here because, well, Canada's much more aware of our culture. But, uh... There's just certain little things you don't think about until you cross a border where you're like, oh, I guess this joke doesn't exactly work here. I remember years ago when I first started going to Canada, I had a joke about uh, Walmart. I think I'm the only comedian who's ever had the joke about Walmart. Uh, but it was sort of like, you know, this is forever ago. This is like 15 years ago or more. It was just sort of like, uh, you know, talking about the clientele of Walmart. God, I'm a hack. Anyway, 
in Canada, it worked, but it was like, I don't know, it was different. Well, in Canada, they're like, yeah, Walmart's a store, but it's not any more white trash than any other ones. Sometimes the things that don't translate are annoying because people should know what you're talking about. Even if it's not a different country, if it's a different state or whatever, but... I remember I had a joke that referenced Target, the store Target, and, uh... I'm known for my uh, department store material. Target, Best Buy, Walmart. Circuit City, rest in peace. Costco, that's all my material. Are you are you Gabriel the store guy, Rutledge? Yeah, that's me. I got a new bit about coals that's going to blow your mind. I just referenced the Target in Canada one time, and a guy in the crowd was like, we don't have those here. Yes, but you know what a store is, sir. Okay. You know enough about Target to know you don't have one. There used to be Target in Canada, uh, but not anymore. They got kicked out by Canadian Tire, I guess. I had a parenting moment this week where I uh, I realized I may be failing my children in a way that I had not previously thought about. Uh, I think I need to teach my children how to lie better. Because I took uh, I took Olive, my 11-year-old, to the doctor for an 11-year checkup. Uh, got two vaccines. I don't know what for. Meningitis? That tetanus? That kind of shit? And I was like, hey, are these Pfizer? Are these Moderna? These aren't the Johnson & Johnson pertussis vaccines, are they? That was one of the vaccines was for pertussis. Never heard of it. Never heard of pertussis? That's thanks to a vaccine. No, I didn't say any of those things. Just said, shoot her up. She took it like a champ, too. She's like the best kid we've ever had for taking shots. Anyway, the doctor's just asking kind of basic questions of my 11-year-old daughter. Like, do you, uh, you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables? And Olive's like, I don't really like vegetables. Do you do less than two hours of screen time a day? No, I probably do a lot more than that. Do you brush your teeth every day? Yes. Do you floss? No. Look, bitch! Start lying! You're making us look bad! Good lord! Was there truth serum in those vaccines? I don't floss. I'm on the computer all day. I think my dad drinks too much. Enough with the honesty. That's not going to get you anywhere. So I have... It's weird to have... Okay, this is a, this is a comedian complaint that I'm only going to say because I'm pretty sure my wife doesn't listen to my podcast. It is really fucking hard re-entering family life from comedy life. Don't get me wrong. I want to. I consider my family life to be my real life. I want to come back home. It feels good to come back home. That's why I take the early flight usually, you know, it's, but that re-entry to, like, my wife has a bad cold right now, our dishwasher's broken, my adult son living in our house is being a pain in the ass, 
my daughters are fighting. That reentry is hard as hell, man. I mean, the normal person who goes on vacation once a year, I don't even know if the normal person goes on, takes a flying vacation once a year, but if you are a normal person who takes the occasional flight and then comes home, you know, people are like, oh God, I'm like three days later, I'm still wiped out from all that flying or all that vacation. And it's like, I do that three fucking times a month. Which, that's okay. I'm just saying it's... It's something I didn't think about when I wanted this to be my job. Because <laughs> it's just chaos. If you have... It's less chaos than it was when my kids were little. But, you know, when you have three kids and a wife... It's just chaos. All the time. Even if it's not chaos, there's a million things to do or doctor's appointments or errands to be run or you know so just to go back like I can't wait to go home and then it's it's like stepping into a fucking tornado of bullshit but it's my tornado but that's alright that's the cost of I've been thinking about that I've been having a lot of old man thoughts lately But, like, that's that's the cost of... Anything great has a cost, right? I mean, literally... The cost of life is death. But the cost of... Having, you know... An overall pretty amazing life... Because of stand-up comedy to travel the world, to have these experiences, to to uh, to have the honor of bringing joy to people and myself, to have something I'm still incredibly passionate about 21 years in, and to have what I've said many times, and I said it in my, my, my book first, but I've said it many times, being a stand-up comedian is a loophole in adulthood. So there's going to be a cost to that. The cost is time away. The cost is pausing and then having difficulty restarting your face-to-face -face relationships. The cost is you know, I don't really get to do a lot of things other than stand-up comedy and my family because I don't have time. I don't have time to, like, nurture friendships with people. I don't have time to, like, even do couples activities with my wife very often. I don't have time for a normal life. Because I have an amazing life besides that. That's the cost. And that's not just me. That's not just stand-up comedy. That's everything. I think we should think about that more. Well, you know, if you're making a pros and cons list, I guess another way of thinking about it are like, what are the cons of every pro? If you're a stay-at-home mom, the cost is you have less money than you would of working and your children can consume your life to the point you lose yourself. If you are a working mom, the pros are you have a little bit of yourself. The cons are you might feel guilty about not being there for your children like your fucking grandma was or whatever. And there's the literal cost of daycare. There's no... No one gets out clean, man. The cost of monogamy is you don't get to fuck other people. The cost of fucking other people is... 
You don't get to be monogamous anymore. Do you know what I mean? Everything has a cost. Every, yeah, I'll have one more shot. Makes your hangover worse the next day. And I don't, I don't know if it makes it better, but I do think it kind of takes the it kind of takes the sting out of some of life's decisions <laughs> when you realize no matter what I decide, there's going to be some negative from it. I feel like we need to think about that more, or maybe just I do. The cost of having children is not only like money and sleep and uh, anxiety and stress, but you also lose a little bit of your spouse when you have children. I mean, we did it willingly. We wanted to make people together and we did it and it's beautiful and it's like the biggest thing in my life. But I've had moments, I've had moments where I looked at my kids and I got, I thought, you fucking stole my wife from me. I used to get some attention around here. wife thinks that. I don't think my wife thinks my children stole me from her because she's a woman and women are better people. These are just old man ramblings. Good lord. Just a tired, melancholy old road dog. There are a ton of people who stay road comics as long as I have. I mean, I'm not saying I'm like... There are some. There are, but I mean, <laughs> a lot of the people, this sounds shitty, but a lot of the people who have been like, I've been doing comedy 21 years and still have the kind of road schedule that I have are famous and making a ton of money. A lot of people who still do comedy after 21 years, they're like, you know, they're on cruise ships, which is also grueling, but it's, you know, or they're on the road less or they move to Vegas so they can go on the road less or or they they're still on the road but they don't give a shit and excuse the patting myself on the back that this sounds like but the amount of comedians 21 years in who still are on the road who still give a shit that's an even smaller number who are still, like, trying to write new material and are still trying to make projects and still give a fuck. I still fucking love it. I can't help it. I shouldn't. And I'm not, you know, there, I'm, I'm thinking of a... I've already thought of ten people who I put in my same category of, like similar level of fame who are still on the road all the time still providing for their families or themselves with stand-up comedy and uh so it's not I'm not saying it's like a one percent number but I just mean every year I do comedy the number gets smaller <laughs> you know I shouldn't see I shouldn't I'm not really talking about fame fame's the wrong word for what I'm talking about I mean success there's not that many actually famous comedians. I'm not comparing myself to, you know, Kevin Hart or Amy Schumer or something. I just mean, there's a bunch of people no one's heard of that uh, make a lot more money than you'd think. And that's really the dream of any comedian, is to eventually be one of those people where other comedians go, who the fuck is this guy? People say, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he headlining about me? They mean, like, uh, this guy doesn't seem like he's done enough to be in that position. When I say, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he headlining? It means they're from TikTok and I've never heard of them. That's all.
We're all bitter in our own way. I mean, fame's even more of a grind, because you're even busier, and you have more obligations. So that's its own challenges. But to just grind it out with, yeah, a bunch of amazing gigs, but also a bunch of, you know, uh, some less than amazing. But I guess it's probably, it's all the fucking same. Whether you're making 200 bucks or 200,000, I guess it's all the same. I finished that Dave Grohl book, and he was talking about how he flew back from Australia to go to a daddy-daughter dance with his daughters and then f left the dance and flew back to Australia to finish his Australia tour. So, like, I don't know how much flying that is. 30-something hours in two days? But what that would be for me is driving home from Twin Falls, Idaho all night so I could get back for something. You know, so I guess it's the same at every level. Uh, it's the same... It's the same challenge of being an entertainer and being gone, but... I hope everyone's doing all right. This is not an easy time to be alive. Well, in many ways it is. You can get groceries delivered, for example. You don't even need a menu at a restaurant. But mentally, it's not a great time to be alive. <laughs> there's never been a great time to be alive. I mean, there's an odd comfort in that, but it's... Whoo! Holy shit. Can we all agree it's the internet's fault? From school shootings to whatever other horrific thing you want to talk about. It's mostly the internet's fault. For all the good of the internet. You're probably listening to this bullshit on the internet right now. For all the good, there's bad. I just don't think biologically we're ready for this. There's, there's never been a time in human history where too much information was an issue. You know, if you go back far enough, someone thought a, a giant put the moon up every night and then replaced it with the sun in the morning. Okay, maybe we needed a little more information than that. But now... Too much information. And too much need for validation. Yes, I know I'm a stand-up comedian and I have no right to say that. But that's gotta have something. There's a million things. Yes, less access to incredibly destructive weapons. Yes, mental health. All of that. That internet, social media quest for likes and attention and fame and if you can't get that infamy I mean school shootings specifically is a very specifically American problem or not just school sh shootings the whole world almost has the internet but they don't have the problems America does with guns and that's because some slave owners with powdered wigs on. <laughs> Made a constitution. Probably over the, a line of coke, just like the comedy one. Uh, and so we can never take away weapons, apparently. Although I don't think I'm allowed to have my own fighter jet, so I don't know where the line is. Yeah, America is a uniquely violent country. 
But I guess my point about the internet making it worse is the I think the internet. What's an issue? What's like a serious issue in the world that the internet has made better? Besides porn. It just makes people dig into whatever their uh, preconceived ideas were already. I mean, you would think the internet would be like this place that would make us all realize we have more in common than we thought, and instead, it's just given us more information on who to hate specifically. They used to talk uh, back in the 90s about how people were more stressed out because of the 24-hour news cycle. You know? Like, if you didn't watch CNN, you'd be like, life's pretty good. And then you would watch CNN and go like, wow, there's a lot more murders happening than I thought. Oh, there was a plane crash. Oh, there's a, you know... And the internet is that times a million. I mean, you open up your phone and you might as well be like kissing any chance of a good mood goodbye. Sure, there's funny cat videos. I love those videos where <laughs> babies get glasses or hearing aids. I Sure. The internet can bring you joy. But I don't know if we're I don't know if we're supposed to be processing all of the world's trauma at the same time in every part of the world. But what else am I supposed to do? Be alone with my thoughts while I take a shit? This one turned depressing right at the end as I pull into my neighborhood. About to re-enter real life. Like an astronaut coming back to Earth. Sir, I hope you lose your house, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you already did, and that's why you're here. I don't know. It's called It's called divorce. Will you play once if you need help? <laughs> okay, we're on. I think we're okay. We're all right.